I tell them welcome to the gray area. Kyrie Irving has the sports world in one hand. In the other hand, somewhere in the Midwest, there was a concussion heard around the world. This is the gray area, and I am your host, Ray Jarvis. Showtime! Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, this is my second favorite time in the sports calendar. We have the NBA season starting to look like NBA basketball. We have the NFL in full playoff swing conference championship weekend. We have the winter meeting in sports, you know, and baseball, excuse me, whereas people are signing. George Springer just signed. The Mets made a move a couple weeks ago. Things are falling into place for the 2021 calendar year of sports. I'm excited. There's question marks. There's a lot of hate in the atmosphere in the NBA by way of Brooklyn. I love the energy. And with me, I have a new guest, a new entrant into the gray area. Brian Fonseca, writer from Deadspin. Um, welcome to the gray area, my friend. I, I appreciate you nailing the last name. I will say that. <laughs> not not everyone gets the last name on the first try, which I don't understand because it's really simple, at least to me. But uh, definitely appreciate you having me on. <laughs> oh, come on, man. I got a friend with the same last name. So I, I've had a lot of practice. Ah, there we go. There Cheat we codes, go. man. Cheat codes. <laughs> yeah. So let's get right into it, bro. Um. Kyrie Irving has been the most polarizing athlete in the tri-state area over the last, I want to say, two weeks. Yeah, now, as of the recording, he's going to be returning for the Nets. He's getting on the floor with, with the newly acquired James Harden and Kevin Durant. So the, the, the new Brooklyn Big Three that people were dreaming about at the top end of the season, when the rumors and all the holding out from Harden and going to parties, chilling with little baby and honey buns and all of that. Harden is here. Kyrie is back. Is the soap opera with Kyrie Irving over? Uh, no. No. And now, I don't know if that's his own doing, but I just think that a lot of people, and I saw this, and I knew this was coming, a lot of people just instantly, like, were reacting, like, oh, James Harden, like, his passing is unbelievable. It's as if they've never saw him play when he was in Houston. Like the, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's like they never saw him play before, and they were like, "Oh my God, this works in a way that I didn't imagine." Even though they were playing against the Orlando Magic, the first game, who were, you know, are without Markel Fultz, are without Jonathan Isaac, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I just think people need to give this time to breathe. There will be more drama at some point to answer your question. I don't know what that is because the team is pretty unpredictable and will be pretty unpredictable throughout the duration of the season. Um, a lot of people have marveled at how Kevin Durant even looks early on. And while I have as well, I still think that we need to take into account, like, yes, while he's back from an Achilles injury and an Achilles injury is probably not the death sentence, quote unquote, that it once was. I also think that later on we could potentially see, you know, maybe he has to take more breaks. Maybe he has a strain or, you know, a soreness that he needs to rest for a week or whatever the case may be. Like maybe the the, the COVID sort of protocol giving him an extra week or so to rest help them early on so that we don't get to that point sooner but i just need to basically see it over the course of a full season before i'm ready to make certain proclamations because the east is good okay. like even though you know boston is going through some stuff right now they're still a good team miami hasn't gotten off to a great start though they've dealt with COVID and injuries they're still a really good team indiana etc like the east is hard so I'm not ready to say that they're going to just be the Easter Conference champions over a couple of games because, to your point, 
I'm still expecting some sort of other drama. I don't know what kind, but some sort of other drama to arise at some point as the season progresses. Um, that's a, that's a great answer. I guess where I fall in is Kyrie has given us so much from even the preseason with the whole media thing and them being pawns to now yeah. the, the random PTO <laughs> without, without yeah. anyone approving his his requests. So I actually expect I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say that Kyrie's going to behave himself. I actually think that the soap opera, the saga is over. We heard his ex-girlfriend intimating on the internet that he might be on coke, but that's another conversation for another day. I don't have facts to support that. And I know when you have messy breakups, people tend to say anything. So, and Kalani hasn't been in the, in, in the click media business for a little while. She's been kind of quiet. So maybe she's just trying to get her clicks up. Shout out to you, Kalani. But <laughs> I, I think that Kyrie's going to fall in line here. I think that the basketball, which is my, my curiosity... I, I need to see it. I'm excited because I always believe that you go get the talent. I'm on record as saying that I'm concerned about the rhythm, not so much with KD. KD, I feel like you could put KD in any basketball scenario and he will be Kevin Durant as advertised. But when it comes to rhythm between Kyrie and James Harden, how is that going to mesh? Now, if yeah. Kyrie decides that he wants to be the two guard that we know he can be, the, the two guard that we, he basically is... And we let Harden run the point a la Westbrook, Harden, Durant in the fourth quarter of the OKC era. We could have something special here. But yeah. I need to see the basketball. But I'll even go on and say that with the IQs involved with the three of them, I'm calling them the East favorites, bro. I'm doing it. I think that talent wins. They, they have a couple of, I think they have a mid-level exception of $5.7 million. They have a room exception. They have means of bringing in more talent. I think they need another big. They need another 3 and D guy. I think they find a way to bring those pieces in to flesh out the roster a little more balanced. And I expect the Nets to come out of the East, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I just want to, I just need to see it for a longer period of time. Okay. I also think that I'm I'm with you on the Kyrie will mostly behave himself uh, sort of outlook moving forward. I think that there's going to be drama maybe on the Fact. basketball side of things because like, I just think right. there are some chemistry things that I want to see play out first because this is, you know, this has been like, a collective concern from a lot of us just sort of wondering like how this is going to work out basketball wise not necessarily that it's not going to look great at times or whatever the case may be but there are just some issues that they still have to solve and i don't know that just you know picking up javel mcgee at some point during the season <laughs> is going Fact. to solve their interior defensive issues like they'll be able to outscore pretty much anybody especially if those three guys are hot or just two of them really because they're all averaging about 30 points a game though i'm not sure how sustainable is that but oh, we'll see yeah um because you know there's like how many points are you going to score a game as a team but at the same time it's like i think joel Embiid and ben simmons if they're focused and joel Embiid has been focused this season could give a matchup problems because i don't know who's stopping joel Embiid from getting 40 and 18 if he feels like it with doc rivers as coach and with boston they're actually pretty well equipped as far as big three goes uh big threes go rather to actually defend these guys because they are better defensively as a collective with you know who they have as opposed to who the nets have now sure. they're not better they're not better at all obviously in terms of that but you know jason tatum jalen brown kemba walker and then the supporting cast with like marcus smart who is gonna he's gonna guard somebody he's gonna guard one of them dudes because he's marcus smart he's probably the best perimeter defender in the nba so 
you know, I still want to see how, you know, those things sort of work itself out. And Miami's only five and seven. They haven't really gotten in a rhythm. And this is a team that I've been very high on since they've gotten Jimmy Butler. Okay. I, I still need to see how they sort of fare because they're a team that I've been high on in terms of seeing them uh, possibly repeat as Eastern Conference champions. What hasn't worked in their favor is that right away, Jimmy Butler had an ankle injury and then half of the team was away for COVID protocol. So like they really haven't been healthy outside of maybe four of their 12 games, like fully healthy. And even now, Jimmy Butler is not on this road trip. Neither is Avery Bradley. Like, I don't know when they're going to sort of get it together. So for them, they're just trying to just sort of stay afloat until they can get everything together. And I think there's a trade that they can make. I think there's a trade Boston can make. Like, I think there are trades that we still need to account for moving forward. I'm with you with Miami. I earlier today even I said I think the the real competition for the Nets will be the Miami Heat. If this was a 50 game season, I'd be a little more concerned about the slow start. But being that it's still right. 72 games, they have enough time to sort things out. With, because our NBA body clock tells us that we should be getting ready for the second half push. When in reality, mid January, mid to late January, it's still the early season for us. This is a whole new world for NBA fans. So, but yep. I expect. The Heat to make their run. I don't even know if they need to move so much as they just need to get on the court together, find that energy, how they're going to slot out these minutes because I would say the roles that they had last season with certain guys are not the same heroes expected to do more. Uh, Jimmy Butler another year in. Uh, I think uh, none. I feel like none isn't getting the minutes he was getting as a rookie. So there's, there's guys who are playing different roles. Dragic is not as featured as he was previously. So guys have to figure out their new roles. If if anyone could do it, I expect Spo to be that guy. Spo's one of my favorite coaches yep. in the league. I think he doesn't get his flowers enough, in my opinion. So yeah. I think it's going to be Miami and Brooklyn when it's all said and done. But to the Nets, I, I'm, I, I know there's concern about the bigs. I'm not sure if they need a JaVale McGee to come in and be like a minutes eater. I just think they need... At least one rim runner, rim runner on the floor. I couldn't even speak just now. Rim runner on the floor just t- to be able to have a body out there. Because I saw in the first few games of the season, Jeff Green playing the center is not going to cut it. Because the league <laughs> has already adjusted. They saw what the right. Lakers did playing big. So now you're seeing teams, as much as they want to play small, they're keeping at least one big on the floor. So the Houston model, in my opinion, is not going to work. I've already noticed since the Harden trade that uh, DeAndre Jordan is getting even more minutes. So I guess they've already figured out after 10 or so games that we cannot keep playing Jeff Green at the five. So they need a couple of bigs to rotate in and out to keep that big on the floor. I think where they're going to punish teams offensively, to your point about Marcus Smart and defending them, it's the motion. I think you're gonna. I've already seen them in a half court. It's a lot of activity. It's not even though there is the occasional isolation. There's a lot of off ball activities as well. And I think with those three guys, in order to maximize their abilities, you're gonna have to implement a motion offense to keep teams off balance, let the ball move faster than the bodies, and really punish teams when they get caught on the island with a Kyrie, KD, or Harden. Yeah, I think you're 100% right, and I think that's what's gonna help them because. I mean, they have those three guys offensively, but then they also have Joe Harris, who's one of the best catch and shoot guys in the oh, league. Yeah. Who's just he's just gonna be out there moving around like he won't have the ball more than you know a handful of times a game just by virtue of like you know the ball being dominated by Harden, Durant, Irving. Right. But when he does get the ball, it's gonna be a shot going up, and he's you know, like fifty percent from three this season so far. It's it's incredible, and that's you know for him who's somebody who's shot 45% for an entire season, that's something that's sustainable. I just would like to see, you know, how everything else shakes out because I'm not really, I mean, now 
the Indiana Pacers don't have Victor Oladipo. Right. But to me, they're kind of like a sneaky, like, oh, let's see what this could be sort of team. I'm oh, not yeah. saying that they I don't, I don't think they're going to come out of the East. But and I'm still trying to assess how much do I like them really. But I think they can get into the second round. And I think to me, that's saying a lot in an Eastern Conference where there are six teams that I like uh as a whole in terms of like yeah this team wouldn't shock me if they made it to the eastern conference finals can i jump in for a second real quick yeah sure sure you've mentioned a lot of teams in the eastern conference but i haven't heard you mention the bucks is brian not sold on the bucks no 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 no. i like the bucks okay Uh, Okay. i just feel they're more of a given like they're just kind of so the six teams that i would say that i like in the east uh and i do have my reservations I will say this. I do have my reservations about Giannis in the playoffs. I think Fact. some of that will be alleviated with uh, Drew Holiday and True. Chris Middleton, who doesn't really get a lot of credit. But I still think that, you know, Miami's going to cause some matchup problems. Uh, Boston, if they're fully healthy, is going to cause some matchup problems. Philly, we'll see. Indiana's going to be a pain in the ass. And they have Malcolm Brogdon, who probably should still be on the Bucks right now. But the teams that I like are the Celtics, the Bucks, the Sixers, the Pacers, the Nets, and the Heat. And of those six teams, if if you gave me any combination, any combination of those six teams, like two of them, and say this is these are the two that are going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals at the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised at that okay. because I think all six of those teams are capable of that. Uh, Toronto, I think that is kind of out. Uh, me. Yeah, I thought that they I thought that they even overachieved last year. I didn't think they were going to be as good as they were last year. I didn't think Pascal Siakam had another level that he can get to and he showed that. And this year he's obviously taking a little bit of a step back. They're a team that I'm waiting to see and this is sort of a potential pendulum swing guy what happens with Kyle Lowry oh. because Kyle Lowry is the sort of trade ship that I could see Miami Philly or maybe the Clippers out West sort of, yeah, sort of landing because like, you know, these are teams that need point guards and not a lot of teams in the NBA need a point guard, but those are three good teams, teams that see themselves as contenders that need a point guard. So Kyle Lowry is one of those trade chips that I'm looking at to see like, you know, where could he go? I'm not mad at that. I, I think if Kyle Lowry ends up in Philly and they could somehow keep Ben Simmons and reposition his role along with Embiid, that, is, that makes him a lot more interesting, in my opinion. So I'd like to see if he even becomes available, because I think this is a contract year for him. So maybe Toronto decides to, to officially break up with him and move on and let uh, Van Vliet be the face of the organization with Siakam, be the new DeRozan and Lowry of the future and present, I guess. We'll see what happens. But yeah. let's stick in New York City. Let's head over to Queens. Full disclosure, mm-hmm. I'm a Met fan. I just so want to be I. clear about so that. So am I. So am I. Okay, so you're a long sufferer just like me. You understand. So yeah. I'm not blaming the Mets. It's, I, I'm at work. I'm, I'm reading the internet, and there's a whole lot of Mets metting. And this is one of the few times where I'm not blaming the Mets. This situation with their previous GM being a creep happened four years ago. Five now, because it's 2021. Mm-hmm. I don't. I can't fault them for hiring a, a baseball guy who was respected by the baseball world. And he was doing a pretty decent job until he got fired. So mm-hmm. I'm not blaming the Mets. I'm not going to say the Mets are metting. But what is your perspective of this this scandal? Or I, is it a scandal? I don't know what to call it. But this situation that the organization now has to deal with. Yeah, I think uh, like I think it's entirely plausible that the Mets didn't know this was the case because Fact. like I could totally see like they just didn't, you know, not that they didn't do their homework. 
but like this was sort of kept under wraps because this is the kind of thing that you would suspect that people would try to keep under wraps because you know everybody has skeletons in the closet some more than others and i think that this is the kind of thing where it's like why would it be brought up in an interview uh why would it be brought up in even a surface level background check like i'm not sure what the particulars that are there because i would like to think that they did some thorough research on this guy uh although i don't know because he's a white dude but i would like to think that they did some <laughs> thorough yeah and that's that's a whole nother portal that we can get to but I, I would like to think that they did some thorough research on this dude and i could see how this never was something that we knew about until now the cubs are who i'm kind of looking at and being like this was going on while y'all were there and you know what happened yeah you know the what cubs i mean is getting by on this beautifully yeah, and th- that's where I'm a little bit confused because, like, he before he got here, he was in other places. You know what I mean? Since then, because he was with the Cubs that year, and he was just with the Diamondbacks for four years until now. So I'm looking at them kind of like because with the Mets, he just got there. So right. I can see how this wasn't the thing that came up, and maybe it happened with the Cubs, and maybe that's part of why he wanted to leave and go to the Diamondbacks. Like, I don't know. There's there's still a lot I feel like is that that could be uncovered in terms of the timeline of this but i think steve cohen did what was necessary acted swiftly on it it wasn't even 24 hours and he was like look we you know this we're trying to obviously and he didn't say this part verbatim but i took it as we're trying to really establish a new identity him being a fan of the team he kind of gets it and it's like look as you said you know this is kind of messing from before I know the Jets are known for this kind of thing, too. And it's like, look, we have to have a zero zero tolerance thing on this going forward, especially as it relates to like, dude, like, really? Like, and I was texting somebody about this yesterday. I'm like, it's always these same kind of dudes that are getting caught sending dick pics. That's the part I don't understand. (laughs) Like, it's always these same kind of dudes. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah, Um, like, like, what kind of guy gets dubbed 62 times? Like that's you what, got, that's what I'm saying. You got three text messages from me before I pack it up. Sixty-two. Yeah, and that, that's what I'm like. That's crazy. I like I. You know, obviously, like I don't know what it is to deal, to deal with this from. The what other kind of end thirst because, is that? No, nah, I'm slandering them. How thirsty yeah. can you be? Yeah, and, and, and I don't like that's that's the thing. To, I, like I don't know what what his sort of deal is, but I know that the profile of these type of white dudes specifically that get caught sending these dick pics are you like for some reason they all sort of add up anthony mm-hmm. weiner brett Favre, jared porter like it's just like it's just a timeline of this where i'm like i can sort of see the connection between all three of them and it's just weird <laughs> like hey, not that man. the connection itself is means like they're all just weird it's beyond that but it's just i i don't i don't know the fascination behind it i've never been a dick pic sender so i don't really get that part of it either like i'm just i'm just not the dude like yo dicks are nasty bro like you know what i'm saying girls listen, have said that let's, let's keep it 1000 here that. you know we're we going off the rails and i'm gonna do it i'm here with you any kind of <laughs> private pics i'm not here for okay like outside of the classics that most men like i'll take those but when you go down right, south right, right. <laughs> i don't want anything to do with it i don't want to see that so Keep, keep right. it in your pants, ladies and gentlemen. So, right. I, I'm going to be devil's especially, advocate here. Especially, especially unsolicited, Absolutely. unwarranted. You know what I mean? When you're trying to kick it to a reporter who is trying to do her job and then leaves the a industry. Reporter. and reporter. Right, right. And it's like, yo, dude, what are you doing? But at the same time, it's like, I, like, I don't even know how a dude 
as a dude, I don't know how a dude just gets to that point where it's like, all right, here's going to be my next move. You know what I mean? And this is what's going to win. This is what's going to win her over. Like, I don't know how you get to that point. I really don't. (laughs) Like, like, where's your pride? I always say that after a certain time. Like, where is your pride, fam? She's been dubbing you for weeks, apparently, or months in this case. Who knows? And then you do this. Have you no dignity? But I'll say this. Let me be devil's advocate for a second. There's there's (laughs) a segment of people who are saying, why did she wait until now to say something? So, I, I won't okay. front. I'm a little skeptical myself, Brian. So l- let me know. Should I be skeptical of this woman? I will say this. I don't. Well, there's proof. So I would say probably not. Uh, there appears to be proof that, mm-hmm. you know, all of this happened. I would say to that because it's something I've thought about. Uh, I just don't know what it's like to be on that end of it. True. And I've had women tell me from experiences that they're like, sometimes they just need to sort of sit with things. They're scared to come out because of the backlash that could come their way. Obviously in a society where a lot of men, I mean, think about the Tory Lanez and Meg Stallion situation. You know what I mean? Like Tory Lanez, uh, the report comes out and automatically before we actually know anything, although we have some pretty good, proof that suggests that he did it yeah before we know anything we have dudes being like nah he didn't do it whatever whatever and i'm like yo like this is this is this captures why women are scared to come out right away but look like i i get why people would be skeptical of that i guess i would say because and you know there's also situations that are that resemble what freddie gibbs went through where women have lied and yep. he was locked up in another country because of that. And he had to get out, sue, try to get a lot of money. Like, there's both sides of this. I just think that, like, I try to be understanding and empathetic uh, regardless of how much time passes in between. Because I've never been, I, you know, as with male privilege, I've never really been on a situation where I've had to sort of deal with that. Right. There are some people who get molested and sort of sit with that for a long period of time. Their entire childhood, teenagehood, whatever, and don't come out with it till they're adults. And I feel like I could understand why that's the case, because, you know, even as a dude, that's sort of a vulnerable place to put yourself in because, like, you know, people will call you a bitch. People sure. will call you this, this and that. And if you're a woman, I could imagine because people would think you're a liar. So the time doesn't really raise any skepticism out of me, especially since it appears to be true, well, uh, yeah. given the, 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 the screenshots like and stuff. It was five years and then mm-hmm. a month after he gets the GM gig with a New York team, now it comes out. It just feels, I guess I want to say that it seems like she wanted to clip him. Like, you know what? I had this in the clip and she was waiting for the right moment to finish him off. That's what it looks like to me. That's all I'm saying. It's just like, you could have reported this in 2016 to his bosses. He's been with a major league baseball. He was in a big market when it happened. Why didn't you say something that? Why wait I'm until not, now? Like, did you do it because you're doing it for other women, or are you doing it because you hate to see him level up again? I have no. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. And I, I would also like to know. I would also like to know if this is something that she had been trying to get out for a while, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason it didn't get out. Like, I, you know, I'd like to be sympathetic to that as well. I don't know what her process was. I do know that apparently she had left the industry at some point, which tells me that at least for a while she wanted to just lay low. And maybe at some point she just reached a breaking point recently where she was like, you know what? Like, enough is enough. Whatever. Like, I don't know what that is. Uh, When it comes to that, again, it's something I've never really dealt with in that way uh, in terms of me personally. So I feel limited as to what I should and shouldn't say because I don't really know. This is a lot that I don't know personally. I respect that answer. That is a media trained answer. 
you handle that 150% correctly. No, it's real. It's real because I don't because re- because I think I think generally, especially with stuff like this, is a little more touchy. I think that a lot of people are quick to jump in either direction when it's like I don't know this woman at all. Fair. You know what I mean? I don't know, and I would like to I would like to see like if if this was a friend of mine who went through this. And I sort of saw through why she sort of sat on this or what what her motive, whatever the case may be, you know, I would like to think that obviously I would have a better answer. And and obviously, like, I just think everybody in their grieving period is different in how they want to handle things. I wouldn't call it perfect. Like, I wouldn't call it perfect. Like, people would want, you know, for dudes right away to just be like, oh, you know, or not dudes, like women to just be right away as soon as they get harassed to just come out. But I think it's a lot more difficult than that. And I could see why, you know, people just sit it out and wait for a while because they don't just they just don't want to deal with the shit. You know what I mean? Like, I, I remember from the black sports online situation, like a lot of women, it took them a while to come out. And I knew one person in particular who was uh, harassed by Rob Latall from black sports online and his wife. And she sat on it for, I want to say, over a year and then because she did she just didn't want to deal with the shit that came with it and then other women started coming out and sharing their stories because they had sat on it for a while too and then she was just like you know what fuck it like all like and then all the women came out and sort of like you know uh the the surviving bso thing became a hashtag this was like last year not that long ago and you know you know people quote unquote canceled him for a little bit of period of time and I think a lot of dudes just don't really care and they kind of just still follow the site. But a lot of women and a lot of people who sympathize with those women were kind of like, nah, fuck that dude because what he did was fucked up. And I know personally because I'm close with the person who was somebody who reported this. I know personally how fucked up that situation that was, but I could see why they sat on there for an extended period of time because it's like, yo, I don't want to deal with the blowback that comes from this shit because we're also thinking about, especially during a pandemic, we're thinking about mental health and things like that and just shit that you just don't want to deal with until you're ready for it. And I think everybody needs to just, you know, take time to get ready for whatever that is. Well said. Nuanced response. You know, a lot of times people want to be black and white with these situations and a lot of times the facts are in the gray, somewhere in the middle. And this is why we are on the gray area. Shameless yeah. plug. But yeah. back to the baseball. The Mets made some moves. We, we also missed out on Springer. In my opinion, we didn't miss out. I For that, for the years and the money, I don't think that's the kind of play I want to marry myself to going forward. So beyond mm-hmm. not getting Springer, are you comfortable with this offseason? Are you confident about the prospects of the upcoming season. Yes or no? So I'm Puerto Rican. And the trade for Francisco Lindor. Like, I was I, I was very excited. I was very excited because I know just culturally. Facts. And I've, I've done some re- reporting and writing on this. Like, I know culturally what that means to be not just a Puerto Rican, but a Latino as mm-hmm. the face of a baseball team in New York City. It's a big deal. And yeah, and somebody who Lindor is just universally a good guy. His nickname is Mr. Smile, for God's sakes. Like, this is somebody who's one of the most marketable dudes in the sport that is struggling to have marketable dudes. It's like almost like Reyes 2.0 in a lot of ways. Yeah, and, and you know, the numbers suggest that at least at this point, he is better mm-hmm. than Reyes was at that point. As great as Reyes was, and Carlos Beltran, and Carlos Delgado, and 
you know, that was that's oh, sort of picking what... the scab, bro. You picking the scab. Let's not don't don't mention that team, man. Well, well, that, well, that well, and that's one of my favorite teams. Likewise, that's one. That's one. That's one of the groups that it reminded me of because Lindor comes as a dude who's in his prime, mm-hmm. as good as if not better than they all were. Now, and the talent around them is, I wouldn't say better or worse because we still have to see, but it's different. Like Conforto, Dominic Smith, who I'm, I'm so glad they didn't trade him because I was saying for since he, he came got around to the because he was on the fence for a second. Yeah, and, and and in the beginning, I was like, look, just give him time because he was a kid. Like they drafted him out of high school. Mm-hmm. He got to the majors after four years. He struggled the first two years, and then the third year, I was like, man, he's only a pinch hitter, and he's like the best pinch hitter in baseball. And they started playing him more. And then last year's short season, albeit, but he was all star level. Now that's, and I that think swing this is, between him and Conforto, two of the sweetest dude, lefty swings in the game, dude. And this is what I'm saying. It's like with with Lindor now in the fold, I think he's better than Andres Jimenez and Ahmed oh, Rosario will ever be. I think it's com- we're comfortable with saying that because this is a perennial MVP candidate. And it's a trade you make 100 times out of 100. You also got Carlos Carrasco to be your fourth pitcher. We kind of uh, lopped him, bro. Right. Like, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great trade. I'm not mad at them not getting Springer because, like, if they if Nemo starts at center field, I'm not mad at it. Mm-hmm. Their lineup right now is presently constructed. I'm not mad at it because they're already pretty loaded. They just need to continue to fortify their bench. Uh, I would like for them to get Brad Hand and maybe yes. another reliever, you know. But, like, let's not sleep on what Edwin Diaz did last year, too. I mean, he had a good year after he had a terrible year. He struggled uh, like that first week or two, and then he got it together, and he was great the rest of the year. And I feel like he can be a closer. That slider looked like Seattle slider. You know what I mean? And I feel like he can be a closer again. So we'll Uh, see. I think. I I think. I think. I I, I think he could. I think he could. But we'll see. There's a lot of hurt feelings. I'm gonna take a little credit for Diaz's good season because pre-pandemic, I went to the Fan Fest at City Field, and I got to talk to Diaz for a second. That's home straight. I said, "Bro, listen." You're gonna have a great season. Don't worry about anything else. This this is your true story. I said this what is gonna say? be your year. And he said, Thank you so much. Big smile on his face. So I'm gonna take some credit for him figuring it out last season, albeit a shortened season. But for me, like if as currently constituted the Mets, I I thought we had a chance to be super legit last year. But the ironically, what I thought was a strength being the pitching staff and the bullpen, like they let us down between uh Thor getting hurt. Strowman opting out, the bullpen being what it was. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't like putting Lugo in the starting rotation because I feel like he's stronger as a bullpen guy. I Agreed. felt like the DH helped the Mets out tremendously as far as lineup depth. Now for them mm-hmm. to, to even be dabbling with going back to a pitcher or trying to negotiate a way for the DH. I'm like, listen, Universal DH is the way to go. At this point, you gave us a taste. You can't take it back now. We, we, we got the taste. And ironically, the Mets, the way they're set up, we kind of need the DH because Pete Alonso can't play anywhere else but first base. What are you going to do mm-hmm. with, with, with uh, what is his name? We were just talking about him. Dominic Smith. Dominic Smith. What are we going to do with Dominic Smith? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, we need I, I that think DH. that'll work at their advantage. I think, you know, the, 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 I don't want to see Conforto in center field. I don't want these, uh, these wacky, these wacky lineups when you're trying to get guys time on the field because, you know, they, they're only playing every other day or so on and so forth. I feel like McNeil should be the only utility player or J.D. Davis. Those are the only two guys I want to see move around. I feel like players perform best when they have a set position, a set role, and they can focus on that. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's still a couple of things that they can do 
uh, as you mentioned before, especially with their bullpen. But as far as Universal DH, I mean, we'll see. I think I honestly think they'll be fine either way. Mm-hmm. And I do think that fun is fun sometimes. So you like watch a pitcher hit a double or a oh, home yeah. run or whatever. But if bar. they went, if they went to Universal DH, I wouldn't be mad at it, and it'll work in their favor because then, like, you know. Dominic Smith can move to his natural position at first base, mm-hmm. and maybe you can maybe you can get maybe you know obviously Springer's off the table. Maybe you can get somebody else to play in that outfield along with Conforto and Nimmo if you keep them or whatever it is. Like it just gives you it just gives you more offense, uh, more options on offense, especially uh, because then you could play Dominic Smith, who's a great first baseman as a mm-hmm. fielder in his natural position, and you could you you could do as you said, just less moving around as a whole. So yeah. Let me ask you this: How do you really feel about Brandon Nimmo? quickly um like uh, he's fine you know what i mean like he, i thought he was gonna be better because he was very hyped up as a prospect and as a young guy and he's somebody that i usually trade in mlb the show like <laughs> as part of a package so i kind of just i kind of just graded based on that like i usually trade up in the show or whatever um so but I wouldn't be mad at him as starting a center field but i don't think he should be like lead off or anything like that if Agreed. that's the case Jeff McNeil is our leadoff guy. That's that's the man I want at the top of the order, period. I agree. I agree. Um, I'll say this about Nemo and even to a further extent, former Met Rosario. Full disclosure, I was never sold on any one of them. I, I never saw what the prospects saw. When Rosario came up, I felt like his swing was too long. You know, I can't explain it properly, but I, he didn't pass the smell test to me. He never looked elite to me. He just looked like a guy who could be decent to good, but the way he was pumped up, I'm like, this guy, eh, he's not the fastest. He, his, he doesn't hit for like average. He doesn't really hit for power like that. I'm like, eh, he's okay. Brandon Nimmo walks, you know? <laughs> so he's a good <laughs> on-base percentage guy, but I'm ready to move. We moved on from Rosario. I am 100% ready in the right situation to move on from Brandon Nimmo. I love you. Thank you for your time, but you can go. Long story short, to, to the 06 Mets, I got a funny story for you before we, we bring this pod to a close. The following mm-hmm. season, I tell the story all the time to Mets fans that I meet. I thought, you know what? We, we lost how we lost. You know, Beltran didn't swing the bat in 06. That's fine. We're going to be back. We got the best team. Boom. Let's get it. 07, we were about to run it back. It looks good. Then it was a yep. late season series against yeah. the Phillies. I never yeah. forget. Chase Utley, that was, the, that was the birth of Utley being a Met killer. It was a Friday yeah. night game at Shea Stadium. I was there. We lost the game late. Shout out to Chase Utley. I hate your guts. We're walking <laughs> back. This is pre-car. We're walking back to the 7 train. And Met fans who had you know gotten a little arrogant because we've been really good for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. They started to chant second place to the Phillies fans who had came out for the game. Oh, and, and I remember saying, we're chanting second place, but we just lost. Lo and behold, we go on the, the longest drop in the history of baseball as far as like the collapse, the end of all collapses. I didn't know my words would be so much prophecy. And I always felt like maybe if I, maybe if I was a little arrogant, we wouldn't have collapsed in 07. Because damn, it was like we couldn't win a game after that. So that, that's mm-hmm. my story for that group of Mets teams. That 06, 07, 08, all ending in heartbreak. And we should have had at least one championship from that group. That team, I love them, but they break my heart each and every time I think about it, man. Yeah, and it's crazy because, like, I didn't think that run was going to end, like, so sudden. Right. right? Because they were good. So, in 05, felt like 
kind of like what 2015 before Joanna Cespedes mm-hmm, got there felt mm-hmm. like. Talk about where it. it w- where it was like, oh, five was like, oh, this team is, is they could be good next year. Because I think I remember if they finished like 83 and 79, it was something like that where, you know, they were the in a lot of games. Yeah, they were in a lot of games. They were above 500. And then the next year, you know, Beltran's there, Delgado's there, like Reyes, right? They had like the Pedro. big four offensively. Pedro Martinez was a good pitcher at that time. They hadn't even gotten Johan Santana yet. Um, and like at that point, you know, the, the 06 team was great. 07, like they had to collapse. And then 08 sort of just petered out at the end as well. And then that sort of just ended, and we didn't have a good baseball team again until 2015, until Yoenna Cespedes got there. And, like, I look at Yoenna Cespedes in a very similar way that I look at Yoan Santana, where I'm always grateful for, like, what they did and sort of putting the team on their back very often. Now, I wish the bullpen had (laughs) Yoan Santana's back more often uh, than they did. But Yoan Santana basically was great those first uh, couple years, and then... Often injury hurt, came man. back. These things often, yeah. Often injury came back through a no hitter. Was never the same again. Basically ended his career for that no hitter, and like that was pretty much it. And then with Cespedes, he single handedly transformed the team offensively in 2015 and carried them to the playoffs. Really carried yeah, I mean, that lineup all the way to the hear playoffs. You say a bad word about Cespedes. I don't care what he did. I Me know neither. how I felt in 2015. In full disclosure, shout out to my homeboy Eddie. We were arguing when the, when, the, when the Gomez trade went down. I said, I don't want Gomez. I was telling him for weeks prior to the deadline, give me <laughs> Cespedes. I remember what he did in the home run derbies. I said, we yeah. need a monster in City Field. We don't need a guy that's slapping singles and doubles. We need yeah. a crusher in the lineup. I kept saying, give me Cespedes. The, the Gomez deal goes down. I'm upset. Next thing you know, yeah. the deal falls through, and then we got Cespedes. I was through the roof. I said, yo, Eddie, listen, bro. This is the guy. I didn't think he was going to be that good. I'm not going to say like I, knew, I knew it. I didn't know. But I thought, you know, <laughs> and he, he proved me right. And I will always have to, even 16 to a degree. 15 and 16 was probably my two favorite years as a Met fan because City was lit. The, the City field was lit. New York City was lit. And we kind of had it because the Yankees were doing a fake rebuild. So the City was kind of ours for a second. And we played really good baseball. We had stars all over the field. I'm just mad yeah. we couldn't. I feel like the one thing about the mess is we have these moments, right? But I what know. separates us from the Yankees? Not that I'm not a Yankee basher either, but we never have the sustained periods of success. We have these electric moments that we just crash back to earth. And I'm hoping that Steve Cohen is is able to bring us that five or six year run of just we know the pencil of Mets and they're gonna be in the mix. That's all I ever want. I want one championship where I'm able to actually celebrate because '84 doesn't count for me. I, I was a toddler. And I want to see the Mets have sustained success, period. But let's bring yeah. this podcast to the stretch run. The NFL Conference Championship weekend, we have a matchup that NFL fans have been fiending for for years now. A postseason matchup of Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. Um, I wrongly, because I love Drew Brees, picked against the Buccaneers last week. I, sh- I should have known better. That's on me. But this week, I'm not making that mistake again. I expect Tampa Bay to go in there, and it's, I, I think it's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be a back-and-forth game, but if the money's on the line and the game is in the fourth quarter, I'm going with Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady takes that 27-24. to 24, Tampa Bay goes on to the Super Bowl. Who do you got? I want I want uh, Mahomes versus Rodgers. So 
that's like uh, like nothing else to me like i like i get it with tom brady but like i just don't want to see it in the super bowl again like i just don't care you know what i mean like Would i'm that just be the not... sexiest qb matchup ever in super bowl history i gotta think about that Rodgers Rogers and Mahomes, yeah, I, I would think so. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I'm trying to think like what else could even like rival it. Uh, as far as recently, definitely nothing. But you know what I mean. Like think like that. That's what it is. You're looking at Rodgers, who something is the most talented quarterback ever, and then you have the heir apparent. You have uh, Patrick Mahomes, who's basically like his successor in a lot of different ways. Like it would have been what you know we want we it, it, it's kind of like what we saw when when lebron and kevin durant played each other in the finals right. at that early stage of kevin durant's career it's kind of like that although it's a totally different sport because like you know rogers and mahomes aren't going to be guarding each other or anything True. like that but that's kind of what it's similar to uh for me and i think that like for me that's just that's the only thing i want to see in the playoffs right now moving forward i've had enough of tampa bay i don't want to see the bills like i don't want to see any of that shit i just want to see chiefs <laughs> versus packers and i hope that patrick mahomes is healthy it sounds like he's gonna be because he's gonna be practicing again or i think he's already uh practicing again at least in a limited fashion so i just want chiefs versus packers and nothing else i'm not mad at that i'm not mad at that i'll say this if we did get that matchup, it would give me a lot of vibes of that uh that Favre Elway matchup. Late two stud quarterbacks, one late in his mm. career having that final hurrah versus the guy at the peak of his powers trying to repeat. It it would it would feel good. It would be a very offensive game as well. But I guess selfishly, I'm a Giants fan, but I I kind of got tired of the Tom Brady disrespect because I respect greatness. They were all they were trying to heap all the credit on Belichick like Brady wasn't doing these things on the field. And selfishly, yeah. I just want Brady to prove people wrong yet again that he truly is that guy. No one else is that guy except for 12 in Tampa Bay now. I, I got tired of it. System quarterback, system quarterback. I'm like, listen, when you really break it down, almost every quarterback in the modern NFL is a system quarterback. When they switch teams, yeah. you got to tweak your system to fit what they do best. So obviously, there's a certain system for every quarterback. So we, we got to stop beating people over the head with that jogging. But Brady's great. I feel like he's had too many moments of greatness for us to keep saying it's Belichick. You know, maybe Jet fans. Yeah. If you're a Jet fan and you feel that way, I get it. I understand. You had to, you had to eat that for a decade and a half, nearly two decades. But realistically, get that man his credit. And to me, Brady getting to the Super Bowl without Belichick would be the final cherry on top. Forget winning it. If he just gets there, you can't tell him anything else, in my opinion. But to the NFC, you know, not to the NFC, the FC, excuse me, the concussion hurt around the world. The yeah. matchup most people wanted, Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs, the top two teams in the AFC, two top young quarterbacks. Um, Josh Allen's come a long way because I fronted on him big time when he came into the league and he kind of proved me, me right for a second. But he's he's shown that maybe the Giants got it wrong with that clown, Daniel Jones. For the record, I don't like Daniel Jones. I was never sold on the pick. I wasn't even sold on the broccoli pick. I am a bitter Giants fan. But to this game, if Mahomes doesn't play, if he doesn't clear the protocol, I got the Bills, and I got the Bills, and it's going to get ugly. What, do, do you agree? Do you think the concussion weighs heavily on the outcome of this game, or can the Chiefs with Chad Henney find a way to beat the Bills at the crib? <laughs> Like, uh, for, first of all, there's a problem that Chad Henney is even still in the league. As Can like I be honest backup, with you? As an important I, backup I watch their games every week, and I did not know this guy was still around, bro. Yo, it's crazy. because. Well, here's the thing. Like, a lot of, especially when you get to the third string, a lot of white QBs are just kind of favors. Like, they're just kind of in the league. But that's like a whole a whole story for it's another It's like a whole, day. like, I, subculture in itself. Third string quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like... <laughs> 
and Chad Henney, you know, was a I think a high draft pick at mm-hmm. one point, but th- I think that was also like 2006. Yeah, he was but, he was kind of good at Michigan. Yeah, right, right, and I th- he had a cup of coffee as a starter. But I I just think that yeah, the concussion weighs heavily on this game. Okay. I think that obviously if Mahomes is out, like I don't give the Chiefs much of a chance uh, unless their defense rises to the occasion. Otherwise, if Mahomes plays. I'm just going with the Chiefs because I'm just, and I've been saying this all year, I just have a hard time betting against them and what they could do offensively. And their defense, you know, isn't terrible. Their defense could survive. Yeah. And the Bills, the Bills don't really scare me from an offensive standpoint, at least mm-hmm. because their defense, you know, their defense will create different opportunities and give the ball to Josh Allen in great field positions. So, like, I'm not ignoring that part of it either. Just for me, if Patrick Mahomes plays, then I think the Chiefs win. And if he doesn't, then I think the Bills win. And I think it's that simple. I just don't want to see. Uh, I don't want to see Bills versus Bucks. I don't want to see the Bills or the Bucks. I just want to see Mahomes versus Rodgers. Uh, if you're gonna, you if, especially because... if you're gonna make me, especially if you're gonna make me sit through a football season in a pandemic, I don't want it to have to culminate in you know, great white hope of the future against <laughs> uh, great white hope of the present. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't want to see that shit, honestly. <laughs> Wait, are you a Jet fan, bro? Formerly. Uh, in 2015-16, I was like, enough. You retired? You back <laughs> because, because you know what it is? Like, it's funny because this will blend into what I'm saying. I, uh, the way Jet fans treated Geno Smith, I was like, all right. I'm, oh, yeah. I, like, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't root for this team. Uh, if, if fans are going to be like this, like I, to me, he was absolutely good enough, talented enough, whatever buzzwords you want to use. People just didn't give him a fair shake for, you know, obvious reasons. He's black. I say right. And then with Clyde Gates, Salim Hakim, mm-hmm. Jeremy Curley, Santonio Holmes, like these were his receivers. Oh, David you mean Nelson what doing was doing to Darnold right now. Continue. Right. Right. And, and, and David Nelson was his number two. In 2014, he had Eric Decker as number one, which, you know, he played a little bit better. And then, you know, they won four games. Rex Ryan benched them, even though it wasn't totally his fault. Uh, Like, they won eight games somehow in his rookie year. And then the year that he was going to be great, they finally had uh, Brandon Marshall. You know, you got to give a quarterback three years usually. So he Mm -hmm. was entering that third year to where you were going to see that leap. And then I.K. and Impali, who, you know, was arrested and resisting arrest in college, who had to be tased, punches him in the face over $600, and his career changes. And then any chance that Geno Smith had to come back and reclaim a starting job the next year, he tore his ACL. Then that was it. So, I mean, that, I, I and then at that point, say... at that point, at that point, I was like, I'm not going to root for Ryan Fitzpatrick as a starter. I'm not going to wait around to see if Bryce Petty is the guy because he's not. They drafted Christian Hackenberg in the second round. Like, oh, I'm done. I'm like, I'm just not doing this. I would say they did, they did the same thing to Mark Sanchez. Like, I don't think any Jet quarterback they've drafted high has been given the proper chance to truly but that, but develop and succeed in this league. But you know what? That's the other thing. In 2013, when Geno Smith was a rookie, he wasn't even supposed to play that year. Because uh, Mark Sanchez was still on the team. David Garrard was on the team initially and retired like mm-hmm. before preseason. And then Mark Sanchez obviously got hurt in the Snoopy Bowl in the preseason game because Rex Ryan wanted to win a preseason game so bad at week three against your New York Giants. And then Geno Smith had to be thrown in there. And, you know, up and down as a rookie quarterback, second round pick uh, would be or as most rookies, period, would be. 
like what we're seeing what we've seen from other dudes like just come in and be rookies right away like russell wilson uh not be rookies right away come in as rookies and be great right away like russell wilson that's an anomaly like that's just not historically like what it is and now it's like you know people like want to see like even this is we're going through this with Tua right now in miami people are contemplating whether or not he's ever going to be special whether or not he's ever going to be this and we're not weighing like yo dude He's a rookie. This was the first time he's played since hip surgery during a pandemic. Didn't have mini camp. Didn't have a standard training camp in the way that you normally would. Like, yo, give the dude a break. He's probably going to be really good eventually, even though he's throwing a lot of short passes or whatever. And that has people nervous. Like, just give it some time. And I think that with the Jets, they just habitually ruin quarterbacks. And I did not want to root for a franchise who just habitually ruin quarterbacks because it's a fucking football team. Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yo <laughs> yo like, listen it doesn't make sense normally i tell my guests to keep it clean like it's, it's, i try not to have the cursing on the show but <laughs> the next time you come we're gonna do the pg rating but you had some takes to get off and, and and honestly they all landed with me because you sound like me with the giants like like i am yeah. in the same boat i am i am like I've gone to the point of apathy with the Giants and their personnel <laughs> decisions and everything that they've done since, since the, the the second to last year of Eli Manning's career when they should have cut him or let him play it out. They should have drafted quarterbacks well before and let him sit behind Eli. And then and then they traded Odell for a bag of chips in 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 a, in, a, in a Arizona, only to then bring in Daniel Jones, who's not good. You drafted a running back with the second pick in the draft, and you told me he was a generational talent who's yet to show me he can run between the tackles. I just don't understand what the Giants are doing. I've 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 given up on Gettleman. Gettleman can pick talent to a certain degree, but it's like when your sensibilities get in the way of picking players and your politics to a certain degree, because the Giants are super conservative as an organization. Yeah. It yeah. makes it very difficult for me to really invest in the team because Odell wasn't a bad guy. And yeah. As far as diva wide receivers go, we have seen miles worse than Odell. The guy got mm-hmm. tired of being blamed for Giants failures when Eli Manning was done. Eli Manning had single blocks for feet. He was punch drunk. He was afraid of the rush. He didn't want to stand in anyone. If it wasn't a quick slant, Eli Manning didn't want it. When you had Darnold coming out in the draft, I think Baker was Baker Mayfield in that draft too. Was Darnold so. Baker and uh, Chosen Rosen in the same draft, or am I mistaken? <laughs> and Josh Allen, and yeah, that's not, and Lamar was that Lamar also? I think Lamar Jackson was, was in that draft as well. Yeah, and you took a running back, the least weighted position in football outside of kickers. And this is not to disrespect running backs, but what I'm trying to show you is NFL fans, and I, I keep preaching this: find me a championship team or a near championship team who is paying top dollar for a running back. It doesn't right. exist. You don't spend that type of draft capital on a running back when you have an old quarterback and no offensive line. How do we still not have an O line? This, these are the questions that need answers. Yet you're telling me that drafting Barkley was gonna somehow extend Eli's career because he'll have the most dangerous offense with Eli Manning, Odell Beckham, Barkley, and Evan Ingram, a Titan who can't catch an important pass to save his life. And yeah, then you and traded the, Odell after you paid him. So it's like, what, because you, you just don't like the guy. Then you traded him. You had a better package from San Fran, and you sent him to Cleveland to be spiteful. And look at Cleveland. They're good. So yeah. what did you? What exactly did you do here? 
And then you and the, drafted the, Eli you know Jr., what? who who doesn't have real arm talent. As people say he can run, but I ask people, I I beg them to show me when does he extend plays? If it's not a design run, where is his feel in the pocket? Where, where, where is his playmaking ability? It doesn't exist. The guy is mm-hmm. a career backup. So I, I, I'm super frustrated. So hearing you vent about the Jets shows me that I am not alone <laughs> in my frustration. Some of them, some Giants fans, honestly, a lot of Giants fans are delusional. I didn't even know it was this bad. So listening to them to say that, oh, we're in a good spot. Oh, we're mad at the Eagles. We only won six games. And we, we won six games to our own detriment. We should have been losing those games. So I'm fed up. The fact that I'm not even hearing a Deshaun Watson rumor attached to the Giants says everything I need to know about this organization. But, yeah. Brian, I will not keep your time anymore because I can rant about the Giants for hours. I am fed up. I, I never <laughs> thought the day would come where the, the Giants would go below the Mets on my fed up scale. But here we are. <laughs> but before you go. True. Before you go, usually my first time guests, I ask them to identify themselves. Identify Let them know where they can find your socials, uh, where they can find your podcast, everything to get in tune with Brian Fonseca. Yeah, uh, at Brian Fonseca NY, there's B R Y A N, usually Latinos spell it with a Y. Uh, F O N S E C A N Y is in New York. That's Twitter, Instagram, and um, I also post on LinkedIn a lot. If people are, you know, not trying to like dm me for some weird you know uh <laughs> pyramid scheme or whatever because linkedin is getting a little funky with that now too but yeah you can follow me on all that stuff where obviously you know that's been stuff ain't hard to tell podcast stuff and a whole bunch of other independent stuff that just you know happens on my face you out here working man i see you yeah yeah man got to there's the only thing we could do right <laughs> absolutely Man, listen, I appreciate you coming on. I will definitely have you back on when baseball season comes about so we can talk about happier things like the Mets and less about our football teams and and just (laughs) be in a more happier space on the podcast. For sure. We'll talk soon, man. Appreciate you. All right. Cool. Sounds good. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Chapter 76 of the Gray Area. We got our feelings off. We talked a whole lot of sports. I appreciate you taking the time to tap in with this pod and make sure that you like, share, and subscribe wherever you see this podcast. Even throw a comment on it. It all counts. Shout out to those algorithms. And as the saying goes, Whether you like it or don't like it, sit down and look at it because it's the best going today. Woo! Perfect.